0: We're back. I'm Drew McGarry. And I'm David Roth. And uh, coming in September 2020, a new site we have built together called... Defector. Defector, and we're going to have a new podcast to go with it. This very podcast, which has the name... The Distraction. It's out right now, and it's available everywhere else to get your podcast At Stitcher, Spotify, Apple. Go listen right now to The Distraction everywhere. It's out right now. Go listen. See ya. Bye. Hey y'all, we recorded these episodes before the news about COVID-19 broke. We wanted to let you know that we're here for you, and that we hope these episodes can bring you a little bit of joy and escape in these uncertain times.
1: Deadass, I spent a large part of my adult life saying to myself, I don't want my kids to grow up how I grew up. Now we live in a different place, and I wish my kids were growing up where I grew up. (laughs) dead hands.
0: <laughs> you mean you want to take our kids back to the hood? Facts. Hey, I'm Kadeen.
1: And I'm DeVal. And
0: we're the Ellis's.
1: You may know us from posting funny videos with our boys.
0: And reading each other publicly as a form of therapy.
1: Wait, I make you need therapy? Most days. Wow.
0: (laughs) Oh, and one more important thing to mention, we're married.
1: Yes, sir, we Mm -hmm. are. We created this podcast to open dialogue about some of life's most taboo topics. Things most folks don't want to talk about. Through the lens of a millennial married couple. Deadass is a term that we say every day. When we say deadass, we're actually saying facts. One hundred. The truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. (laughs) We're about to take pillow talk to a whole new level.
0: Deadass starts now.
1: All right, guys. I'm going to take you back, all the way back to the 90s. Back into time. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) So I grew up in a middle-class, I would say, urban home. You know, my father worked multiple jobs to make sure we had everything. My mom worked for the city. So um, I didn't grow up poor. So I don't want anyone to think that I'm claiming to grow up poor. I did not grow up poor. But growing up in Brooklyn and traveling a lot on your own you tend to travel places where you're not supposed to go. Okay? And I still had friends who lived in different parts of Brooklyn. So I remember my freshman year of high school, I just, it was, it was Christmas break, and my parents got me the things that I asked for on Christmas. I got an Averex jacket. Um, I had some brand new Tim's, and me and my boys were taking a bus through Flatbush, as we always did, going to different movie theaters. At this point, Kenmore Movie Theater was still open. We went to Kimmo Movie Theater, and then after the movie theater, we were going to see some girls that we wanted to check out. And we ended up in Flatbush, in a part of Flatbush that's typically Crip territory. Mm -hmm. And my Avery's jacket was red, and I had a red uh, band around my head. And my boys all just randomly had on red. At first, we thought it was cool that we all had on red because, you know, we're going to check these girls. We look cool. We the fly guys. That's, this is when Mace and, and Diddy and everybody, they was all super fly. They used to match. So we thought it was cool. So we get to this part of Flatbush, and we see a bunch of dudes in this Chinese restaurant, and they all got on blue. Everybody got on blue. And that's when your Spidey senses start kicking in. And- I started to feel a little, uh, tingling sensation. <laughs> and I was like, yo, something ain't right, bro. Them dudes over there keep looking at us. We gotta, we gotta move. So my other homeboy was like, yo, I think DaVal is right. So we, we walked down the block and we hear, cuckoo. And dudes started coming out of the park. And, um we trying to walk through the dudes, and then, you know, they put their hand and stop us. like, and the dude's like, yo, what up, blood? And I was like, yo, I ain't blood. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm not blood. And dudes walked in front of us, put his hand in my chest, I knocked his hand down, then he pulled his shirt up, and I seen he had the heat on him. I was 14. My friends at the time were 17 and 18. It was three of us. These dudes proceeded to take my jacket off, pull my chain off, and when I looked around, it was about 15, 20 dudes. And they were older, they were older guys, 19, 20, they took out stuff, ran into the park. And I never felt so violated in my life because there was so many of them, and it was just me and my two friends minding our business, Mm -hmm. and they had a gun. My first instinct was, I wish I had a gun at that time. If I had a gun, I probably would have pulled my gun. And that's the dangerous part of living in that type of environment because there were parts of me that wanted to then say, you know what, from now on I'm walking around with a gun. I remember being in the house that night and I remember watching my dad's face and him looking helpless because he wanted to help me but he couldn't. And I said to myself, when I have kids, my kids are never going to have to exist in a place where they have to deal with what I just dealt with. So this karaoke song is going to lighten things up a little bit after this story. Uh, it may be a little familiar. I'm going to start with the beat, see if Kay can, can jump in here. Mm. And in West Philadelphia, born and born raised, on the playground I said I spent most of my days chilling out, maxing, relaxing, all cool and all, shooting some b-ball outside of the school. When a couple of guys, they, they was nothing no good. good. Started, started, making in started making trouble in my neighborhood. I got in one little fight and my mom got scared. And said, you with your auntie t- and I got, got down there yeah, I'm not going to go through the whole song <laughs> Kadeen already told me my story was mad long So I'm going to cut karaoke a little bit
0: Appreciate there. it, bruh yes. But I understand I, I understand now why you were so adamant about doing karaoke Because you picked the perfect song <laughs> kind of
1: makes I sense I picked the perfect woman, then I picked the perfect song There you go Yeah,
0: And it makes absolute sense, especially after us Leaving the East Coast. Yes. Headed out west. Yes. Very similar. We don't live in Bel Air though. Don't get it twisted. No, we
1: do not. And we're not <laughs> we from don't. West Philadelphia. We and from we don't Brooklyn, got no son. rich
0: uncle out here. So sorry about that.
1: From Brooklyn, same.
0: However, um, it makes total sense when we're talking about today's topic. Yes. Um, trying to create adversity for our children growing up now. Um, it's a very different time than uh, when we grew up, of course. And um, we're talking about dulling the silver spoon. So typically yes. the silver spoon means what to you?
1: Uh, the silver spoon means privilege. Yes. You know, people who are, are born with the opportunity to have access to things that majority of the world doesn't have absolutely you know um I won't say the one percent because the one percent is is very, very high, mm-hmm. but I say at least the top twenty percent have a silver spoon in their mouth mm-hmm. you know, and um we talk about dulling it mm-hmm. and uh, I'm talking about our kids three boys, Jackson, Cairo, yeah. and Kaz. You
0: know, and, and it's, as parents, it's, it's kind of natural for you to want to make sure that your kids have better than you. They yes. are better than you, have more than you had. Yes. Um, and not even just in terms of material things, but it does surface itself in material mm-hmm. things. But you want them to be able to also have, you know, um, more confidence than you had, you know, more ability right. than you had. And um, But you want to make sure that you're doing it to the point where they're not— Spoiled brats at the same yes. time. You know what I mean? So we're talking today about how you go about providing for your kids, but also creating healthy adversity for them um, yes. to keep them grounded, which is very important to us. Yes. Um, so, Yeah your story um, rings true to me because I need I mean I wasn't in fights in Brooklyn I don't know how many fights you said you were in but I know things are very different for boys and girls and you know I was very sheltered you know even though my you know I would say to my parents were you know middle class hard working Mm -hmm. um, citizens and you know did everything that they could to provide a lifestyle for me where I was a well-rounded child. You know, I did right. the piano lessons, which I hated, and I never <laughs> understood why. Like, I mean, I know my mom was trying to expose me to things, but um, hated piano lessons. Um, but I was involved in dance. I did pageants. Right. I um, she just my, she was very adamant about giving me every opportunity to do more, and I think. Yes. Coming from the West Indies, you know, my father and my mom, um, my mom, Jamaica, from Jamaica, my dad from St. Vincent, they didn't have the opportunities to do the things that I would be able to do in America. So it was very important for her to make sure that I was able to just be exposed to it and see what stuck, see what I was interested in, um, which was great because now in retrospect, her, you know— supporting my decision to even do pageants led me right. into my career field which yeah, was broadcasting absolutely. and not being afraid to be in front of people and speak my mind and you know interview tactics like those are so many things that I was able to soak up in that sense um so what was what was growing up in Brooklyn like for you because even though we did go to the same elementary school for yes. a couple years you ended up leaving for a little bit yes. I continued through 8th grade um but realistically we grew up within you know, a, a couple ten, blocks, a, couple, a blocks, couple blocks radius, a couple blocks radius. So, well, um, what was life like for, for you growing up in Brooklyn?
1: Um, first, first of all, I shout out to my parents who were extremely hard workers. Shout out to my grandparents. Like when, when I think about my life now. I am just an elevated version of my father who was an elevated version of his father who was an elevated version of his father. All of the men in our family worked to make sure the next generation was better than the last. So shout out to my dad for busting his, his ass his whole life mm-hmm. to make sure that I, my brother, my sister are were, were better versions of him. Shout out to my mom who worked for the city for years who just gave me so many different tools to grow up to be the man that I am today. But I say all of that to say this sometimes it doesn't matter the house you grow up in because your environment shapes you
0: mm-hmm. both of
1: my parents work nine to five and i remember when i was eight years old we just moved to canarsie we moved out of a uh, Flatbush because we lived in a, a a downstairs apartment in a two-story home and my mom got pregnant and was having my sister and my parents were just bought a house and we moved to canarsie at the time we were the third black family in Canarsie. There were Jewish people, Italian people. And then we were the third black family to move to Canarsie. And I was eight years old. We just moved to Canarsie. Um, I went to PS 279. And for the first time in my life, I was responsible for for walking home. But I had to get my brother Brian first. And then we had to walk home from 279 to our house. And at eight years old, I'll never forget. I walk out the first day of school, and I go in the wrong direction. I grab my brother's hand, and I end up walking towards Flatlands as opposed to walking into the more residential area. And when I walk towards Flatland, I see this big street, and it's like it seemed like the whole world opened up. I'd never seen it before. Is it just that you got and,
0: turned around that time, like you came out the wrong and you know exit at the school, and you were like yeah. in a different place, or were you just kind of trying to take the long route home?
1: No, I wasn't. I I came out of school, and we I went into school the. Front entrance.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: then when I came out the back entrance, for whatever uh, reason, I just around. got turned around. Yeah. So I went the wrong direction. But this is the first time in my life I had to figure something out on my own. My parents aren't there. And I got you were my, eight. I was eight. So oh. that's Jackson.
0: That I was just about to say that's, that's Jackson. Jackson. Now, I, my heart is racing just thinking about it because I'm like, there's no way I would have Jackson pick up Kyro right. and take him anywhere.
1: So and I don't I, even
0: have him take him to the bathroom.
1: Like, right. And I have my six-year-old brother with me, and he's just looking up at me like, do you know where we're going? And— I ended up navigating and finding my way back home. I ran into one of my classmates' parents and and he looked like he was concerned that I didn't know where I was going. I recognized her from class and I told him my address and he ended up taking us the rest of the way. But that was, that that right there was a microcosm of what my life was like growing up in Brooklyn. Because both of my parents' work, a lot of it was the responsibility of me as the oldest to figure things out mm-hmm. because my parents weren't there. So it was me and my brother through life, figuring things out, whether it was fights with neighbors. When we first moved to to Canarsie, we were a third black family. There were other kids that we didn't know. My brother was feisty. we get into fights. You know, if somebody hit my brother, I'm the oldest, I'm hitting them back. So me and my brother fighting in the street. We go to visit my my family in Queens, um, they live in rough part of Queens, and we from Brooklyn. They got something to say, we got something to say, we're fighting. Like that's just how we grew up. And it didn't have anything to do with my parents and how they raised us and what they gave us. Mm-hmm. But I was in environments where fights happen. And the story that I told was when I was fourteen, and once I got into sports, those things didn't happen as much because I spent more time at practice and things like that. But I remember saying to myself, and when I get married, I'm going to make enough money so that my wife don't got to work so that she can be at home to make sure that she gets my kids or takes my kids to school. And there's someone always there. Because I remember having to get my my brother from school and walking home and then make lunch or make dinner. Not dinner, but make lunch, make a snack, wait mm-hmm. for my parents to get home. But there's that three-hour span. Between where a lot three can p.m. Happen. and six p.m., you think where about everything that, happened. I even
0: think about that in terms of like being a teenager, like yes. at those age where you start to get curious about stuff, and you're like, "Damn, my parents aren't home between three and 6. You know, pull up. Yeah, my you know brother had a baby doors? at 17. Yikes. You know what I mean? So a lot that of that happens. happens. But it's funny how you said thinking, well, that that story of your life created this idea in your mind that you wanted to be able to have a wife that could stay home. Yes. Meanwhile, you met somebody that was like, stay home and do what?
1: Right, because right. Because so that I'm would at be funny.
0: Nowadays, what? hearing someone say that. Right. Th- that's probably not the popular opinion with most women. Most women would be like, well, bro, you're not going to have me at home just to be at home. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah,
1: and I get that. But I now,
0: that. I, I, but I too now see the value of being able to have the flexibility we have with our jobs. Yes. Because that's one thing that I actually had in my household. So, Unlike in your household, growing up in Brooklyn with my parents, my mother worked a job that was super flexible. She was a home care nurse, mm-hmm. so she was able to kind of create her own schedule, mm-hmm. and she purposely did that because she wanted to make sure that she had the flexibility to be able to truck us to dance school and my brother right. to taekwondo practice, and, you know, she was able to kind of create her own schedule, whereas my dad worked evenings, so he was gone, so you know, three, four there. o'clock to, yeah, to midnight, so there was literally always someone in the house, and of course, you lean on your village, much like we do now. I had right. my mom Mom's mom nearby. My grandparents. My grandfather used to pitch in and pick up, pick me up, and take me to dance school. Mm-hmm. And those were great times because it also strengthen and build the relationship that my brother and my sister and I had with our grandparents. Right. So we were able to have that. Whereas I know that your grandparents were still down South, right? you know, and, and your nanny and Papa John were still working. So it was a little bit different for us. Um, and I know that my mom was very, very, like, we lived a very sheltered life, you know, mm-hmm. strict West Indian upbringing. So it's like my parents knew where I was at all times. Right. With me, my biggest thing was I wanted to take the city bus so bad to school. Mm-hmm. My father used to drive me to school, pick me up every single day until I begged so much that they let me do it. <laughs> I was calling my dad to pick me up. Like, bruh, it's cold outside. I don't want to take this bus no more.
1: It's because you bougie. I am. But what we can't do is just glance over what taking the city bus like is like in Brooklyn. The city bus is the fucking jungle. It's a beast. It's the jungle. The
0: city bus, the subway is a beast. So I completely get now it's, why my mom didn't want me to have to deal with it's that. unreal. Because she had to do that when she first came up here and she was yes. trucking back and forth to school. She's like, I don't want my kids to have to deal with that. Right. Again, it's like, you know, but for me, I'm like, mom, give me the adversity. AKA, I want to just take the bus because when it's delayed, I can hang with my friends in the junction and we can just like, right. you know, and it find sounds time like to fun do fun stuff. Until yeah. you
1: see videos on social media now of kids getting into brawls on the city bus, and to so many other people in different parts of the world, they're like, I can't believe this happens. In my life, that was a regular occurrence once a week. Like, I remember being at Madison, to, and and this is uh, just to give you guys some context of where I, I, my thought process came from having a wife be able to stay at home. Brandon Guarneri's mom, when I went to middle school, Brandon Guarneri's mom stayed at home. She. Dropped us Shout out school. to Brandon Guarneri. You're giving his Garnier. whole
0: government. Yes. Hey, Brandon, are y'all still friends?
1: <laughs> I, I haven't spoken to Brandon in a while.
0: <laughs> okay. But
1: his mom used to pick us up from school at Huddy. Uh-huh. And Huddy was in Flatbush. I had a lot of friends in Flatbush because I went to uh, Salem Missionary Baptist Church. But I knew a lot of people who were part of gangs over there. FGK was right over there on Avenue H and 40th. So I was able to avoid a lot of that trouble in middle school because I used to get picked up from school by Brandon Guarneri's mom who took us back to Canarsie. But then when I went to high school, I had to take the 82 bus past South Shore, Sheepshead Bay with a bunch of Lincoln kids. These are
0: all other high
1: schools. All other high schools. So these are a bunch of kids that you don't know who sometimes they're kids who are just there looking for trouble. And you're on the bus. It's crowded. People are aggravated in the morning. So when I say it was a beast, I'm not talking about, oh, traffic was bad and it was crowded. No. (laughs) You got kids who you got different gang sets. You got different beefs. And you're on the bus. People don't know who everybody is, and when people start swinging, sometimes you just get caught. And I remember sitting on the bus every day, thinking like, "Today better not be the day with somebody messing me because I'm not playing."
0: <laughs> or the best is when the bus is so crowded and you're just kind of sitting there and you have no choice but to look at the person across from you, and then the person across from you is like, "Yeah, Yo, what you <laughs> what looking the fuck
1: at? What are you looking at?" <laughs> that's uh,
0: I, where else am I, I supposed no to look? I have nowhere else to look. Th- Let me just close my eyes and go that's to sleep. The B-82. Like I don't know what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> that's the B82. <laughs> you know?
1: and, or how about you get a y- y- your little brother comes home. Because he has to take the bus in middle school to Roy H. Mann. He has to take the bus the B-82 in the morning. And he has to get off right in front of South Shore to transfer to go to Roy H. Mann. And then you get a phone call that your brother got jumped on the bus. Now I get all my friends from Huddy and we get on the bus and we go to Roy H. Mann to press the dude. Like these are the things that I had to handle on my own at at 13 and 12 with my 11-year-old brother that I said to myself, I never want my kids to have to. To deal with these things.
0: So the funny part is now the conflict arises, at least within our household, because yes. we've relocated, as many of you know, from Brooklyn to, um, to L.A.
1: In the And We're not even in L.A. We're in True. We're not
0: even in the city. We're in like, you know, a little bit more residential area. Yes. And um, it's something that we've always said we wanted because... We, me too, even as an adult, having lived in Brooklyn my right. entire life, your perspective changes a lot when and you then have we lived children. In, we
1: lived in Canton, Michigan. Yeah, we, we did had live a in Michigan for a
0: little bit. So I had I had a chance to experience, so, yeah. yeah, I experienced, you know, the suburb life where right. I had, you know, space and we had a yard. And you want your children to be able to experience yeah. that. You want to be able to just say, hey, open the door to the backyard and just and go just outside go and run. Um, so the conflict arises now in the household where we, you know, what came from Brooklyn. We're now in California. Um, and, and we DeVal have to give has them his moments where he's just like, I don't know. They, 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 my kids, gotta, they got to be tough and they got to yeah, have I'm, their moments where they got to like, I'm like, DeVal, what do you want to create fights for them? I don't know. Based well, on your lifestyle that you had growing up, I think it's a great thing that they're a little bit more sheltered. But my but lifestyle made me. I get it. I get it. It made me. I understand. And mine was a little bit different. Right. And that's why we sometimes get into a conflict because the way you do stuff you that's you parent, so sheltered. <laughs> The way you parent is very different than mine, but I have to sometimes step back and say, okay, Deval is a man yeah. we're raising three black men. Yes. I, there are certain things that I don't know, and I'll relinquish to you having had the experience. For example, even just last night, I'm checking Jackson's homework, well, and I was starting to mom him a little bit. But that's know?
1: not the adversity I'm talking about, though.
0: I know. Well, I there's several to levels of adversity. I want but, him to
1: understand his homework, I, I, I do understand, but that's not the adversity I'm talking about. I'm uh-huh. talking about him developing some sort of toughness. To where he doesn't feel like everything is given, you know, because everything wasn't given in my home, even though even though my parents did well, you know, if I didn't have a certain GPA, I couldn't get things. I had chores. When I went to stay with my grandparents in the summertime, we had to be up eight o'clock in the morning. We had to mow the lawn and we had to trim like we were we were young kids, preteens. I had I learned how to drive mowing the lawn and trimming the grass. Like doing yard work, physical labor, which we thought was like slavery. Mm-hmm. But now when I think about it, it teaches you a, a work ethic and it builds adversity because you and your, your brother and my cousin Devon, who we lived with when we stayed with my nana and papa, it just, it, it created something in us where we were able to to bond together and get things done. But even more than that, just just having awareness. I feel like people who are born with a silver spoon in their mouth sometimes are aloof to things that go on in the world because they're protected by their parents mm-hmm. right i'll give you an example um you and i when we first moved back to brooklyn right remember after you after living in michigan after you, living in okay. michigan uh-huh. um you you grew up a house kid You know, you didn't live in the apartment You know what I'm saying? You grew up a house kid It's
0: funny, because you have to explain what a house kid is Because back in the day, that was a thing too At least in Brooklyn, I don't know if that happened everywhere else But there were like kids that lived In like in the apartments apartments, And then then they were were house kids kids. So yes, I was a house kid growing up Because actually when I was first born And up until I was four, I did live in an apartment building With my Mm. mom and dad, but once my mom became pregnant With my brother, we then moved to Canarsie as well And yes, I became a house kid But it's funny that I heard, (laughs) because I haven't heard house kid in so long and I used to get teased sometimes for being a house kid by the kids who lived in apartments.
1: Right. And and that's just a cultural thing. And I just wanted know? to move
0: back to an apartment so bad. Just so, I so can that just you didn't assimilate. Get Yeah. So I right. didn't have to be teased for being a house kid.
1: And I mean, that's, you know, that's part of our culture too. It's, it's almost like when when you're black and you're, your parents are doing well or doing okay, it's almost as seen as like you lost something. Because for sure. your parents are working for you to become better, and
0: you become like the Hillary Banks or right, like right, the Carlton. or the Carlton, and yeah. I
1: mean, it's, it was the same thing for my cousins. Who my cousin Kai, they used to call him Carlton because he went to Poly Prep mm-hmm. and he spoke well, uh-huh. and then um. You know, when you go to college. And he's short, just like he Cosa is Banks. short just like Carlton. <laughs> and um when you go to college and you come back and you you your dialect has changed because you, you're trying to speak differently. And then people make fun of you for going to, to college. Mm-hmm. And they'll give you more love for coming back from going to jail than they will from coming back from going to college. That's, That's the just the culture we live in, especially in Brooklyn. But um we came back from Michigan and this is the first time we've lived in the apartment lived in an apartment. And Kadine used to just leave her stuff in the car. And she would leave it on the front oh, seat, God. and her car would get broken into. And for me, it was just like, why would you leave it on the front seat? And she was just like, Davao, I'm not used to having to hide my stuff. Like, these laws and these rules that you live by, that, that I just, I'm not used to it.
0: Here's my story time, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Since Deval wanted to have a long-ass story time, right? I'm not going to take up too much of your time. But okay. I will explain about what Deval is referring to with this story. So we had... Moved back to Brooklyn, like you mm-hmm. said, and I was working as a makeup artist. I was a freelancer, so I was out there just hustling, trying to get my coins together. And um, we had Jackson at this point. We were in the apartment. I was yes. still kind of upset about being there because, you know, our lifestyle drastically changed, and the apartment was chose, really old. You chose to but live, I did yeah. chose to come back, and I said, "You know what? We're going to rebuild." We were in the rebuilding phase. So, yeah, I'll never forget. It was about to be Columbus Day on that Monday. On the Sunday, I did did makeup for a client for her yes. son's christening. Yes. We ended up staying in Davao's parents' house all Sunday, had Sunday dinner. We were hanging out late. We got home at like maybe 1 a.m. Mm-hmm. So we had to circle for parking. We finally parked the car. I had my makeup kit in the car with me, another bag with some brushes and stuff. And I said, you know what? Let me just leave this stuff in the car because I had to be back downstairs at 5 a.m to then drive to Long Island for a wedding. I had 13 faces to do for this wedding. Yes. Right? 12 people plus the bride. So I'm like, you know, I'm not going to lug everything up to lug it back downstairs. DeVal's going to be asleep at 530. Jackson's going to be in the house with him. Like, I'm not going to bother him. So I put my makeup case on the floor, which because it's a tall case, on the floor behind the passenger seat. And then I had another bag that had a couple other little, like, knickknacks and stuff. So I left it on the seat in the back.
1: Very important that you say this. You did all of this after parking the car, opening the doors with the dome light on in the car, and rearranging all this stuff while parked. But go ahead.
0: Yes, I did. So went upstairs with my other bag, which luckily had my brushes in it because the brushes are super expensive. I had to go and clean a couple upstairs. So I took my bag upstairs. I had the remaining products in it. Came back downstairs, 5.30 a.m., my car window is broken, and my makeup kit is gone. Gone. Disappears. So I instantly panicked because I have 13 faces to do. I have to be in Long Island by 7 a.m. Call, call
1: me. Curse a me out.
0: A whole hot mess. Curse me out like I broke into the
1: car. <laughs> I'm like, damn.
0: And I was just so distraught. Luckily, I was able to call a colleague of mine who I know is very organized. I would have probably had her kit ready to go. So I was able to grab her quick kit on the way to Queens. But I say all that to say... Me being a quote unquote house kid, which yes. is totally unaware of, I guess, the street smarts or like the yes. code, you know, living around apartment buildings that you're not supposed to like open all your car doors at once. And yes, I'm thinking to myself, oh, it's one a.m. Nobody's out here. It's gonna be four hours. Who's wrong. gonna come down?
1: Everybody's out at one a.m. All the wrong people are out at one a.m. Yeah. And the bottom or line out is, their windows we're like, able to thrive through adversity. We're able to make things happen because we went through stuff, right? Imagine raising three black boys in America. Shielding them from from anything that could possibly happen, and then when they turn eighteen, sending them to college.
0: I hear you. I get. It. I don't want to do that either.
1: And that's that's the struggle we're going through them now. them through college. That's, if you let me. No, you won't trust me. <laughs> no, you won't. That and that's the struggle we're going through now because we're trying to find ways to find that adversity and put them in situations where we can see them fight through it or or let them fall and get back up. And it's tough. Because as a parent, you look at your kids and you don't want to ever watch them struggle. I feel like if my parents knew my struggles, they would have found ways to let me around it. But I never let my parents know what I was going through. So I found ways to do it on my own.
0: Why do you think you did that? Did, is it that you kind of felt bad that your parents had my, to work
1: my so hard Because my parents were busting their ass. Yeah. And okay. I felt like it was my responsibility to just man up. Like, my, my, father, my father wore the same shoes. I kid you not. He wore the same shoes for about 15 years. He used to put... A newspaper in the bottom of his shoes so that they would be more comfortable. He never had a new car his whole adult life until I went to the NFL and my brother was graduating from college because he always bought my mom a car. He bought me a car. He bought my brother a car. He always put us first. Mm-hmm. My father always did that. So, of course, if I was going through these little things, at the time I thought was little things and normal, I'm not going to say nothing because- mm-hmm. My father's busting his ass, and my mom works for the city. She's she's going to work every single day. What am I complaining about? You know what I'm I
0: saying?
1: Yeah. And I, that made me who I am. That's true. And I the same it. thing with you. Like, I'm pretty sure because my my sister is sheltered, just like you. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a, a son daughter thing.
0: That, yeah, I was about to say, things are very different. Yes. I think—and I was the oldest, and I'm the girl. So mm. the dynamic of, of boy versus girl, or even just placement in in where you fall, if right. it's, like, the oldest or the youngest, right. that also, too, affects, the I think, the amount of responsibility that's put on you. Right. Um, and it also, too— Kind of parents parent differently in that right. sense. You know what I mean? Because we talk all the time about how, you know, you feel like your sister was parented differently than you Absolutely. and your brother. And then with me, in my <laughs> circumstance, my sister is 10 years younger than me. I felt, I feel like my parent lost some wind at that point. They were just like, Good wait thing. a second. I wasn't thinking I was going to have this baby again. You know, naturally my brother's between right. us. But still, I, I look at them sometimes and I'm like, is she going to get away with that?
1: Think about us. Think about what Jackson has been through. Right. And what Kaz is going to go through. Kaz has never... Never really lived in an apartment. Never been on a train. That's true. Will never be on a bus. Jackson has done all of that. Jackson has taken the train with me places,
0: uh-huh.
1: you know, to auditions and stuff and dealt with Rush Hour. And
0: he's ready to go back on again. And right. I was like, bro, this is not an event. It's not a sport. This is like real life, you and know? He's,
1: and he, but he's aware, though. Like, he's aware. Yeah, for sure. Jackson, remember the first time I let Jackson cross the street by himself to oh, go I to the corner store? I had a store?
0: heart attack.
1: He was five.
0: I almost had a heart he attack. He was five.
1: I let Jackson go to the corner store by himself. Kadine was so pissed. And I was like, trust me, Kay. Just let him go. Let him go. He said he wanted a lollipop. I gave him 50 cent. And I said, go to the store. Lollipop costs a quarter. You better just make give sure him that quarter right and make sure change. you get the right change.
0: <laughs> See, that's the thing, too, that I had to learn from DeVal. Making sure people around the way or around your hood knows you. Facts. You know, because that's also something that helps in Brooklyn. When people around your way know you, it's almost like a code. You look out for each other. Yes. You know, it, it's like a, a, a extended family, if you yes. will. You know, so that's something that I was just like, don't have him talk to strangers. in I was like, no, he needs to talk to the people around the area so they to talk know to who everybody. he is. Who they are, you know? So I, I get it. Is there anything that you can't believe the kids have that maybe you didn't have growing up?
1: iPads. Yeah. I mean, my that wasn't kids, a thing
0: then, but I did have a Game Boy.
1: Yeah, but but I think it's just having the instant access to information. Mm-hmm. Not even just so much the technology, mm-hmm. but my my kids know and see so much. And I'm guilty of doing this. I'm guilty of just saying yes, because I want so bad to be able to say yes to my kids that every time they ask for something, I just say yes without making yeah. them earn it. Yeah, And I feel like that's that iPad is just... Every time Jackson called me, can I get this game? Can I get this game? Yeah, sure. Yeah, right. sure. Can I get these Jordans? Can I get these sneakers? These Kyries? Yeah. And I, 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 I have to I'm shaming myself.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, we, yes both, so we both we um, both were guilty of doing that. And recently, we just felt like you know what, we're gonna have to dial back on that. Like, yeah. just saying no, just to say no. Right. And I know sometimes my parents used to do that all the time. I mean, it would be an easy situation, like, "Hey, mom, you know my best friend at the time was mm-hmm. Carla. Can I go to Carla's house after school? You know, her dad said that we can come by. I'm going to do my homework there, and then just because you want to be around your friend, you know mm-hmm. what I mean. And her dad has said that he'll drop us back home, and she'll just be like, "No,
1: That's <laughs> my, my small mother
0: with no reason. And of course, no. I, I'm thinking it's just unfair. My life is over, right. and I'm like, why can't you give me a reason? And she's like, "Hey, I can't say yes to everything. Sometimes I just have to say no.
1: Well, you're gonna have to say no to our daughter because I can't. Say- Say no to her.
0: Again, we're talking about this daughter that's non existent. But as it comes to my boy. I'm just
1: going to keep manifesting it.
0: Anyway, that, that was last season's episode. So yeah, that's in the past, bro. So, like, recently I found myself holding back as a mother from just doing things that I know I can easily do, but I want Jackson to be able to do for himself. Because also, too, I'm raising three boys that I want to be able to be self-sufficient, especially when Absolutely. they're older. So simple things like making the bed, sorting the laundry before it goes in the washing machine. Mm-hmm. You know, he came home from school the other day and he's just like, hey, mom, um, can I have a snack? And I'm like, sure, no problem. So then he like sits down. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I was like, well, what you, are you going to get a snack? And he's like, aren't you going to make my snack for me? And I was like, <laughs> no, I was like, get up and look in the fridge and see what you want. But I don't know what's in there. You know, he then he's just like, but I don't like, know what's yeah, there. Yeah, acting like a brat. Yeah, so I was like, okay, so let's think about what we can make quickly. We can make a sandwich. There's peanut butter and jelly. There's this, that, and the third. And he's like, okay, I'll take peanut butter and jelly. And I'm like, awesome. So I take out the bread, the peanut butter, the jelly, and the knife, and I just put it on the countertop. And it's something so simple that I would have naturally just made it in two minutes. But I'm just like, No. I'm at the point now where I was like, there's just things that they're going to have to start to do for themselves.
1: Let me explain something to you. My shout-out to my grandmother, Della Ellis, when we used to go to Tennessee in the summertime, we had to cook our own food from six years old. I remember she taught us how to make breakfast. We had things that we could put in the microwave for lunch, and she taught us how to make dinner. Me, my cousin Devon, and my brother Brian. We had to eat, and she used to take us to save a lot. She gave us a budget, and we would go shopping, and we would get our own food. We would come back, and we were responsible for feeding ourselves.
0: Wow, we were so that I'm thinking you have a little PTSD from because now you don't want to cook dinner. At That's home.
1: exactly why I don't want to cook dinner at Cause home because you've
0: been cooking your entire yes. life since you were six I'm years not old. E- I'm
1: not even gonna lie,
0: Nana, I loved you till I found that out. Sis, <laughs> because now your grandson won't even make dinner for me because he'd been doing it since he was six years old. Listen,
1: every summer, eight weeks, yo, you
0: oh my god, you gotta
1: cook. For, but but the thing is, I love to grill. So. You do. I'll I'll grill.
0: Yes, that's the happy medium. That's the house. happy
1: medium. So I
0: season the meat. You grill it. Don't say it. I don't
1: cook for you, because what, <laughs> what you do is you put out these false narratives and have women here mad at me that I don't be doing nothing at home. Whenever no, something, no, whenever no. we got to eat, deval be on the grill. Yes, be on the for grill for everybody, not I'll just my sides. friend Everybody.
0: Yeah, you're very good with that. You've Thank become a master. You, grill chef
1: for a compliment. It's been three seasons, I finally <laughs> get a compliment, guys. Jesus,
0: <laughs> you're very good for that. Very good. But yeah, they're just simple things now that I feel like I need to just kind of step back from and then sometimes Jackson will hit me with the trying to like make me feel guilty mm. but you made Cairo and Kaz a sandwich he's right though why won't you make me one he's and right. I was like bro like you had me to yourself for five years <laughs> I've been making yellow ass sandwiches for years now I said can you imagine what will happen and I turn it into a joke I'm like uh. Jackson imagine if I gave Cairo and Kaz peanut butter and jelly to make their own sandwiches and he's like oh it's gonna be all over the wall yeah. I'm like exactly the same thing he does with you know pencils in the house Kaz is into pencils now, drawing Mm. on walls. But, you know, um, I also want to create a space that's fair where my boys feel like, okay, you know, mom and dad are doing what they can. And it's fair and it makes sense. And usually there's a discussion or a lesson in something and it comes with that explanation. So,
1: Well, you know what's funny? Jackson says that he always makes fun of me. He's Anytime he asks me something, he's, I don't know what you're going to say. What? Figure it out. That is my way of creating adversity for him. We he said to me, Dad, you know, I want to practice riding my bike. I said, all right, well, go put the bike in the truck. <laughs> and he's like, what? I said, go put the bike in the truck. So then I'm watching him stumble and trying to get the bike in the truck, which I know is difficult. But these are things I had to do when I was living in Tennessee. My grandmother was not going to come out and take three bikes for us out of the garage every time we wanted to ride the bike. We had to figure it out. So I watched him struggle to get the bike in the truck. Then finally he gets the bike in the truck. We drive to the park. I sit in the car and he's in the car. He said, What are we waiting for? I said, I'm waiting for you to get the bike out of the truck. Mm. He's like, I got to take it out too. I'm like, Yeah. He's like, But it's, it's heavy. I said, Well, figure it out. Uh-huh. And he, but the funny thing is, I see the confidence. Once he figures something out, I see like the light bulb go off in his head. And he's like, Oh my gosh, I really can do this right. on my own. Same thing with basketball. He's shooting, it goes past the rim, down the hill. And he's looking at me. I'm like, Yo, you better go get that. Like I'm like I've made a point in my life that I'm going to make things harder for him just because I have to Mm -hmm. just like just like things that I would normally just do. Now nah, you got to go get that yourself, bro.
0: Well, that's that's funny because I was looking at our rundown today and it was talking about resilience and mm-hmm. resilience pretty much being like the ability to roll with the punches. And there was a tip um, or different tips um, from The Guardian on how you teach your kids resilience, okay. right? So having one-on-one time with the child, which is great, which is something that it's I something think we, we always we try do. to do. We, we
1: both do, yes. yes.
0: I think that we both take time to take our own individual ch- time with each child for yeah. that. For, so that's like a perfect example of... Um, you know, one-on-one time with Jackson and you trying right. to teach him like, okay, bro. But also, two, teaching delayed gratification. So, resilience means understanding that you can't always have what you want as soon as you want it. Uh, like that instant gratification lifestyle that yes. we li- live in this, this yes. time. We really have to be cognizant of that and teaching our kids as much as we you can. You say that to
1: Jackson all the time. Wait. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> Just wait, because wait. you asked for it right now doesn't don't mean-, mean you're going to get it right exactly. now. Wait.
0: Absolutely. And I blame that on Amazon Prime. F- Damn, who showing uses, up at, who uses two Amazon Prime all the time? I <laughs> two where... days, you know. It's just that that instant access. But I but how did he learn about Amazon intern. Prime?
1: Because he says that to you, mom. You can just order it. You can just order it right you now can just on put Amazon. It in the shopping Prime.
0: Click, click a one-click buy or whatever it is. <laughs> so I'm just like, bro, sit down, have a seat.
1: So I've also learned with the the two younger boys that they watch and their their model of what being a, a decent. Young man is right now Is their brother So they're constantly Watching Jackson And I tend to teach them Through Jackson So for example If I'm disciplining Jackson Or I'm doing something With Jackson I like that they're Sitting there watching And I'm speaking to them While I'm speaking to Jackson So the lesson is never Just for Jackson mm-hmm. The lesson is also for them But what I also uh, Am starting to do is I'm not letting them Get away with the baby syndrome You know Because you're three Because you're two You just get away with things mm-hmm. So for example With Kaz Remember Kaz you used to just climb up on the counter all the time, and yes. you know your mom, your mom is his his caregiver now because she's home and most with him, and she wants to make sure that he's okay and stuff like that. But I know when I come home, he has a caregiver. He has a person who's going to coddle, coddle him and stuff like that, but then Dad comes home. <laughs> so you know what he hears a lot from me? No, and stop. and I, I want to start that now because I realized at Jackson's age, we had to do both as far as being the caregiver. And being a disciplinarian. With mm-hmm. your mom, your mom is just a caregiver. She doesn't do the disciplinarian. Mm-hmm. So I have to be the disciplinarian. So even with Kaz, the same thing about instant gratification. He'll run over to me with the iPad and he'll ask me to open it. i like, Daddy, Daddy, open it. Daddy, open it. So in the past, I would just hit the button. But now if I'm doing something, I say, you got to wait. You got to wait. And you have to say, excuse me. So then he'll frown a little bit. And he wasn't getting it. And it took him about literally... It took him about six months that he started to come over yes. now, and he's like, Daddy, open, please. If you see him, come <laughs> with, Daddy, open, please.
0: That. You know why, though? It took him six months because he's you, and he's, <laughs> oh, he's st- stubborn as all hell. So he was going to wait six you know, months just to kind of ride it all out, but that's absolutely true. Let me tell true. you something, guys. You're so right. You
1: can guarantee that if your wife gives you a compliment, she's going to find a way. <laughs> To just back give you a backhanded compliment. And later on in the conversation, she going to blame every bad quality about the kids. <laughs> it's, it's not gonna a be bad on quality.
0: He's you. headstrong. And that's great because you're headstrong and you're yes. an amazing man because of that. So I appreciate don't that. get it twisted. I appreciate that backhanded Don't get it comment. twisted. I appreciate but it. it. But no, and also too, um, being able to like empower the two little ones. Because yes. Cairo obsesses over Jackson. Yes. Like he looks up to him so much. So in doing that, sometimes when I have moments when I'm with Cairo alone, you know, he'll be like, mommy, I want to put this shirt on. or I want to put this clothes on. Like he'll, n- he'll now at yes. this point, if I did say, no, I'm not going to do it for you. He'll go in his room, go through his drawers, take off his pajamas. Yes, I've seen him. Take off his pull up put on his underwear, his jeans, and his shirt. Mm -hmm. Maybe his shirt will be on backwards, but he's now into a rhythm of dressing himself. When I remember back with Jackson, we had to actually sit and teach him, like, okay, look for the tag, put it over your head. But Cairo comes out fully dressed and ready to go for the day. Because he
1: he wants to keep (laughs) up with Jackson. And I think it's also important, you know, I speak about how I I, I tend to discipline or teach uh, cats, but also with Cairo. I found that it's okay for me to tell Cairo, no, you can't go. This is Jackson's time. Mm -hmm. Because what that allows him is to learn the process that everything isn't always about him. And I've learned, I've, I've watched him self-soothe. Mm-hmm. Where in the past, when I used to I used to say, oh, me and Jackson are going to do something, he would cry and scream and cry. Mm-hmm. Then I used to lie and say, hey, Jackson's in trouble. I'm going to take him to do this. You don't want to go do this. But then I said, why am I lying to him? He's three. He's very intelligent. He's old enough to comprehend. Cairo, you cannot go because this is Jackson's time. He needs to practice. When I come back, you and I will do something. And I think that the, the fact that I was honest about what I was going to do, he was able to self-soothe and realize, you know, I can't go with Jackson. This is not my time. But when daddy comes back and when I get back, he's waiting by the door. But what that's teaching him is patience. Mm-hmm. And he's also learning that everything is not about him, because in life, everything's not going to be not gonna about be you. Be about
0: you, absolutely. Especially when you go out into that world, right. nobody gives a shit. And when
1: you have the silver spoon, sometimes you just think that since I have the silver spoon, everything is about me, and I can leverage it whenever I want. All, and that's not the way life works. No,
0: it's it doesn't. Not. It's it's so difficult to just like straddle <laughs> straddle that fence. Yes. but it is as a parent very um, exciting to see when the kids are getting it. And I think it requires some explanation. Like, one thing we do as parents, um, Deval and I, we try to explain to our children as much as we can. Yes. Like, In full sentences In full sentences Not the explanations We used to get Sitting down Right You remember those sentences Because Because I said so (laughs) So. (laughs)
1: That that is the black mom Term of the year Why not Because I said so so.
0: Right And to me As a child I always remember thinking But that's just not good enough Like I need I need to understand Why And me Thinking that As like A five six seven year old child I feel like naturally Maybe my kids feel the same way Because you said You experienced the same thing Yes So whereas Some people may say Like man I ain't gonna take the time To explain myself to no six, seven, eight year old we found a lot of value I do in have being able like to sit though. down and explain ourselves.
1: Yes, I, I do. You I have, do. In,
0: is it in frustration though or just like some of the kids bothering you in a moment where you don't want to be disturbed?
1: No, sometimes just, Sometimes they're not old enough to understand what I'm trying to explain so mm-hmm. sometimes it's like, listen bro, I said no right? because I said no. Oh, naturally. Do not yeah, ask yeah. me again. Yeah. But if it's something that I think they can understand. Yeah,
0: or if it's a teachable I'm moment.
1: Yeah, a teachable moment right. But but I think Kids do need to understand, like, their place. You know, I feel like we've given, like, everyone is so liberal nowadays, mm-hmm. right? Everything's so liberal. Like, mm-hmm. kids should be have their own freedoms and do this and do that. Mm-hmm. And then the minute a child does something outside of society's norms, the first people they blame are the parents.
0: Oh, for sure. You
1: know what I'm saying? Oh, so for sure. For me, I'm not even going to give my, chan- my, my children the chance to make those mistakes and them come looking for us. Mm-hmm. So you know what? You may not agree with the way I parent, or you may be, say I'm a little bit extreme, but I'm going to teach my kids patience resilience and how to fight off adversity so that they can be fully functioning adults in a society where we have to work together for humanity to continue to exist. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, that's what we try to do as parents. That's the best advice I can give. I don't know, you know, some people believe in spanking. Some people don't believe in spanking. You know your children. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? You know your children. What I will say is if you can teach them principles... That allowed them to to coexist with other adults and other children, they'll be they'll be pretty good humans. And, oh yeah, and that's hard while we're trying to. Give them everything in life that we it, didn't it is. have.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of style stepping that has to take place. So, you know, I know within our house, household, and it's style stepping according to the child's particular needs, yes. too. Because if you have multiple children, you have to also understand that you can't parent one kind of way.
1: That's a, that's a good One point. child
0: may learn through adversity in one way, that's whereas it may be a detriment to another child in that's another a, way. That
1: is a, that I'm glad you, I'm glad you talk about You have an example? Because I, that is a great point. Because I, I, I know that I spend a lot of time with the boys mm-hmm. because. I'm a dad, and I I, I kind of feel like I know their so You're very
0: much a boy dad. Yes, I'm, I'm very <laughs> much
1: a boy dad. But sure. I know for a fact all three of my boys are inherently different.
0: They're so different.
1: Inherently different. They're
0: so different.
1: And, for example, Jackson with riding the bike, all mm-hmm. right? And I said to Jackson, because I see he struggles, he gets nervous, yeah. he gets worried. Yeah. So he gets on a bike. Last year, we perfected getting on a bike and riding it. He gets on a bike and his feet stumble in. And I'm like, Jackson, I'm not going to scream at you. Okay? I'm not going to holler. I'm going to be very patient. You're a champ. You can do this. 10 minutes later, he's still trying to get his feet on the pedal. I know I where you with this. I lose it. Get your fucking ass on the bike. It's a Bike riding. Pedal going. Now he's moving. He's looking at me. and He's all excited. And I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. Yes. Let's go. Screaming. Let's go. Yeah. Can you imagine if I would have screamed at Cairo like that? Um, what would Cairo have done?
0: Cairo would have slammed the bike down Cairo. and walked away. Be <laughs> 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 like, fuck your bike. How about if, that?
1: If I would have screamed at Cairo like that, <laughs> there would have been no bike riding.
0: He would have slammed the bike down and walked home. Kaz would have fought you. Kaz, yes. Kaz would have started swinging. Kaz, but so, who are you
1: screaming at, son? <laughs> exactly. what,
0: is, what is this? Exactly. Yes. Yeah, that, so it's yes. To, it, and it's so strange. And it's exhausting sometimes it as a parent because it's just like, bruh. Like, how do I keep up?
1: all right baby so i have a question what's the question we moved uh, our kids out of the quote unquote hood because brooklyn is no longer hood no more it's very gentrified it's brooklyn heights now <laughs> um but we moved our, kid, our we kids did. out of brooklyn heights uh-huh. and now we're in the suburbs of california what are you hoping to gain from making these changes because i know the first thing okay we i know why we moved here yes kadeen looked at the school systems kadeen <laughs> we talked about budgets. Yeah. And she said if we can do I was public, like, school, budgets,
0: public school. We're going to the
1: number one public school in California. So yeah, we moved to a place. We're trying to find like somewhere
0: right. that at least I know they can go to public school, we we'll have some space. It was just trying to find the happy medium for us. So, and I just cut you moving. off cuz I don't
1: want you to go to the public school route cuz we talked about education. I want to hear No, it wasn't experience. even that. Okay, like
0: okay. I, I what I got from your question at least is what's what do I hope my children are going to learn from their childhood with this whole move that we made. Yes, like, right? Okay. Right. So, um for me, As much as it's about the children, it was also about, if it sounds selfish, my peace of mind, Mm -hmm. knowing that me as a mom, there's certain things that I don't wanna have to necessarily worry about 24-7, because naturally I'm a worrier. So, you know, them moving, us moving now out here, for me, it's going to give them the opportunity, I think, to just at least have a little bit more space. I okay. want when they remember their childhood, they they think about the times that they were able to just like go outside. They can play together. They can have they can have space. Like yes. that was one of the biggest things moving from space. from from New York. But also too, when they think of their childhood in general, I want them to know how how loved they were and how right. invested their parents were in like their 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 every move. And not to say that. We want to stifle them because right. I know at some points in, in my childhood, I felt like I was I was stifled a bit just right. from being so super sheltered. Um, but I want to also create a balance for them where they feel like my parents really empowered me to be my own person. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, too, I know I could fall back on my parents if I did need them. Right. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So the biggest thing for That's me good. is that That's balance. Good. So the balance for good. us now, too, even though we have moved. Over to LA. It's also too, we've decided we're gonna take them back to Brooklyn. Yes. In the summertime. or like anytime we have anytime we have breaks and stuff like that, we're back in the first place we go to is, is is New York. So even since we've moved here, we've been back to New York like four or five times. Yes. That's why I like to say to people, we ain't really move. We're technically like tri-coastal because right. between New York, LA, and Atlanta, right. we're like always moving. Um, but with this being like kind of home based for us now, um, I feel like at least they can appreciate the fact that, you know what, my parents are putting me in a space where I can just thrive, where I can um, have room to grow, you know, physically and also just kind of, um, I guess, is it metaphorically? No. That's
1: not I the mean, right word. Yeah. You know what I mean? But they have room well. to
0: grow. Um, and I need them to know that we are invested in them. I get um, it. You know, as, as children, you know, and um, yeah, I don't want them to have fun. like. I have so many fun moments I can think of as a child that I want my kids to make sure that they
1: But you had fun moments in Brooklyn. I I did have fun moments in Brooklyn. For me, it's just moving for me was a way for us to not eliminate them from those things, but to control how they get those things. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So for me, moving was almost like parent control. You know how you give a kid a laptop? Mm -hmm. But now Jackson can't get access to certain things unless he physically ask permission that comes to my phone Mm -hmm. so he doesn't get to see or watch whatever he wants to watch i have to vet it first and then accept it Mm -hmm. i feel like us moving out here allows me to vet his experiences through his life because i get to experience them first and he's not force-fed certain experiences right so for me Living in Brooklyn was I was force fed a lot of things because both of my parents worked and I was thrown into the commute of dealing with life very, very early. So was my brother. Mm -hmm. You know, my sister wasn't. And I want to be able to to, to share those things with my boys in my time, Mm -hmm. not their time. And that was ultimately the whole reason moving out here. To the burbs, making sure that, okay, you want to go into Brooklyn,
0: mm-hmm.
1: we're going to go into Brooklyn together. Together, for sure. I'm going to introduce you to the people that I know in Brooklyn, the good people who I know in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the funny thing is, not all the good people live in the nice parts mm-hmm. of Brooklyn. You know what I'm saying? Just the same way all the good people don't live in the nice parts of the suburbs, I still have people who live in Brooklyn that I love dearly who are of the greatest character and the great greatest moral spirits that I want my sons to have relationships with. And right. I feel like moving out here allows me to give them the balance of both worlds.
0: Right. For sure. Yeah.
1: For sure. So, I love that. Yes.
0: And we're doing it together.
1: Absolutely. Which is always
0: the best way to do it.
1: Well, now we're going to head into your favorite time after we deal with some of these ads and pay some of these bills.
0: For sure. We're going to take a quick break and move into listener letters after we get into these ads.
1: So we're back, guys.
0: Listener letter time. Yes, yes, yes. The emails yes. have been bubbling over flooding in so let's see we had some good ones for for today you Um, want to go first Sure, i'll go ahead and read the first one okay i love my boyfriend of one year but his parenting is a turnoff for me i have no children i feel like as a black dad he should be more authoritative and disciplinary when it comes to his nine-year-old son for example he doesn't make or show him how to take the trash out clean the kitchen or cut the grass but he wants to show him how to scratch records how do I lovingly communicate to him that I'm being turned off by what he sees as priority as priority to teach his son? That's not really a place, I'm
1: about to say the same thing. <laughs> like I, the one thing to I hate honest, is when people without kids tell me how I should yes. parent when you don't have kids. Like so. the
0: biggest thing for me that, that rung out in this whole thing is I have no children. So <laughs> seeing as though you had no children, it's really hard um, sometimes to take advice. However... I do feel like just as a person with children or not, you may be able to see some value in, you know, him being able to teach his son different things, uh, maybe based on the way you grew up or based on the way um, you think things should be. Or if you had children, you would do it that way. Um but I think at the same time too Where's his mom Like you know what I mean that's, The that's, mother and the father Should really have an idea Of what they're doing Parenting wise And you know it's it's maybe difficult Because he may be learning One thing with his mom And then he may be doing One thing with his dad Maybe absolutely. at mom's house He's making his bed Maybe at mom's house He's taking out the trash And absolutely. cleaning the kitchen And when he's with dad Dad probably sees it as like Yo this is my son He's nine Especially at that age That's, that's a lot of That I'll for us time. That's... Yeah Jackson like Adores DeVal And wants to do everything DeVal dad does Like DeVal's his favorite person Right now yeah. so his dad may be in a sense say saying you know
1: time? what what just one more time can you say that one more time
0: DeVal is Jackson's favorite person thank right, you. Can right you right can now
1: no, go you right now he is you, you know but it
0: comes in waves it shifts <laughs> anyway I don't feel no kind of way I got two other ones like it'll shift <laughs> if
1: you have a daughter she'll, you'll be her favorite
0: <laughs> so like I was saying sis um, she ain't
1: even she ain't even, no. bite. She ain't even
0: bite so, so like I was saying um See, you made me lose my whole train of thought. <laughs> see, anytime you bring up a whole mother-daughter, I, I don't even remember what I'm talk, talking about. talking about. You're talking about
1: First of all, your point was great, and you were taking all my points, which was great, which about was, the so, mom may yes. not be doing certain things. Yes,
0: okay, so mom may have him doing certain things. Dad may see this as like, yo, my son adores me. This is our time together. He's nine, like... He's interested in scratching records maybe because that's just something fun that they like to do with each other. You know what I mean? If it's a thing where you and your boyfriend then continue to grow within your relationship and then you become like a stepmom and then you have to now raise this son with your boyfriend, um, then I think it may be worth having the conversation at that point if you guys are going to be living together. Like, hey, whenever your son is here, maybe we should like map out some things that he should be doing around the house because we all live together now. But, you know, just being one year in and then... Having you know an opinion about it, I don't know how how he would feel about that.
1: Real talk, this is this is very easy. It's only one year,
0: mm-hmm.
1: okay. There's not much that you you do know if you've been dating for one year, right? All right. Secondly, you're not around all the time. So since you're not around all the time, how do you know that he's not teaching him how to do those things when you're not around? For example, and I know this from my my brother's standpoint. I have to use my brother, but I'm not around, and I'm a parent. I still don't try to teach my brother how to parent because when I'm not around, he could be doing things that if I feel judgmental, that if I don't see him do it, it's completely wrong. For sure. On top of that, when you're around, it could just be playtime. You're his girlfriend. So maybe he wants to spend time with his girlfriend and, and have his son share positive moments with his new girlfriend. Very because true. Because what you don't want is you Very don't true. want your son to feel like every time she comes around, right. I got to clean up. Every Dad time is going to be the authority around, figure. Right. Yeah. Maybe it's a thing where I'm trying to ease him into this situation by feeling like whenever she's around, we have fun. Some fun things, So sometimes do. as a as a parent, and you only notice as a parent, is you have your methods of doing things. Mm-hmm. When you're not a parent, it's easy to look at someone else's parenting choices
0: For sure. and judge
1: because you don't know the full story or don't have the full gamut of the experience. I mean, so, it's even
0: easy sometimes as a parent to look at another parent, right, and say, "Well, what in the hell?" Like, or you look at some of the people who are in right. in, in a classroom with your your child, and you're just like, "Who raised you?" You know, <laughs> it's very possible sometimes to have those scenarios as well with a child or without having children.
1: Bottom line is, don't don't take the snapshot of who you think the child is, and, and try to make a whole narrative about it. You don't know what he does when he's with his mom, absolutely. Because, like Kadeen said, what if his mom is a drill sergeant, and the only reprieve he gets from life is with his dad? You don't have to double down if someone's doing so much, right? And that can be overkill, and that can turn the son off, especially, especially at if nine. he's going back and forth between his mom and his dad. So, you know what I would say is, um, ask questions. Do not be judgmental. Don't tell him you're turned off. But you can ask questions and say, hey, you know, um, how about this? But do not get, offer no opinions on someone else's child when you're just a girlfriend right now. Exactly. Like that's, you you overstepping your boundaries. Focus on being the girlfriend. Cause he, he, be that a can girlfriend be, to the daddy. That, that could be real quick. quick. You be an ex-girlfriend. And you, <laughs> you ain't got to worry about that no more. <laughs> no more. You ain't got to be turned off no more because you turned out, <laughs> out. Out the door.
0: You're so annoying. All right. All right. Hey, y'all. I'll read this one, too. Just I'm in a reading mood today.
1: All right, go ahead. Just cut hey, me off. Hey,
0: y'all. Um, I need your feedback desperately with an exclamation point. So this is, all right, let me make haste and read. My partner, over a year and a half, wants me to move in with him. During my last visit, he told me that my three grown sons would not be allowed to visit our home. <laughs> <laughs> Party done, sis. Um, his reasoning is that family can be toxic, and he's had negative experience with his nephew's visiting and living with him. I passionately disagree, as do I. I, st- I stood my ground, but he argued that I should trust him and his leadership. He flexes the alpha male thing a lot. Although I'll never consent to living with someone who who's divisive with my sons, would you advise me to negotiate or try to reach a compromise? Or could that be the final red flag? Please help. Thanks. (laughs) Yikes.
1: Yo, this is on everything. We got three sons. They're going to be grown. Say we get divorced and you remarry somebody. And the boys tell me, well, we can't go by mom's house because her new boyfriend don't want us around. I
0: wish It would be four
1: big black dudes at your crib fucking somebody up.
0: Rightfully so. Like this rightfully There's so. no
1: way. There's no wow. way. There's no way. Like I don't even <laughs> have I don't have no I there's no way.
0: Yeah, there's no there's like she there's said no way.
1: And and she is negotiate, didn't say,
0: recompromise and red flag. Oh no.
1: The thing is she didn't even say None of those. he's had negative experiences with my sons. Right. She said he's had negative experiences with, with his, his nephews. nephews. What that got to do with my sons?
0: Absolutely. They can't visit? Three completely different people. You know what
1: it sounds like. It sounds like he's controlling. Absolutely. And you know what he wants to do is he wants to separate her from her family because, so that he can control her. That's what it sounds Because he knows like that me.
0: three grown men will probably sniff out his bullshit. And,
1: and they're not having it. Nope. Sis.
0: That's all the red flags. Sis. There's no a bunch of red flags there. there. There's no compromise in there. <clears throat> nope. Absolutely not. I won't
1: even get between Kay and my sons. My sons have a uh, fiduciary responsibility to protect their mom at all costs. If Even if I'm doing something that they see could be an issue, I would appreciate and love if my sons, if they were grown, respectfully said something to me. For sure. Trying to, trying to separate someone from their offspring, it's <laughs> like, that's so wrong. Yeah. So especially if they're not toxic. I was about now, to say,
0: she didn't say anywhere in here that her right. sons have had any issues with him or with her. There's, I mean, if that's... they were
1: abusive or they were toxic or they had some right. vices that or I some can rude understand ass that. Kids, but but nah <clears throat> nah, I don't even got no more to say on that. That's it. That kind of got me mad just now. Right? Because I wish you would tell me. I you know, I wish you would tell me,
0: bruh. Your, your I new husband, even imagine your that. new
1: husband, man. It's
0: not even a husband. Partner for over a year and a half. Ain't us. That's not even. Like... I mean, people
1: fall in love quick. You tell me saying, after two weeks. They're not a husband,
0: like you know, I feel be, you. Yeah, but like but I'm saying,
1: if you're partner for a year and a half, told. Told my boys they wasn't welcome by his house to see their mom. We kicking Bruh. the door down. Kicking the door, waving the 4-4. Four, four. All you heard was the vowel, don't hit me no more. <laughs> Not playing. Disrespect my boys.
0: There goes that. These listening letters were easy today. Yes, they, they were. They were pretty easy. They were. Awesome. And if you want to be featured as one of our listener letters, email us at deadassadvice at gmail.com.
1: Yes. So
0: moment of truth
1: them. time. Moment of truth. I'm go first.
0: Or I'm go first? I think I always like lean on you because I go come out okay. and read the list of letters. It's like a flow. You it's know flow. what I mean? Go
1: okay. for it. This is my moment of truth. No matter how much money I'm able to make, I'm always going to have to um, add some sort of adversity in my children's life so that they can learn to be resilient, be respectful, mm-hmm. and be confident. For sure, I feel like if I just give them everything, they'll they'll lack confidence. So I have to dull the silver spoon by manufacturing that adversity throughout their life until I know that they can handle the adversity on their own.
0: Right, even if the adversity is not readily available to them, see, yeah. as though we're not in an environment where right. there may be that much at right. right now,
1: I can I can manufacture adversity. I can put them in I can put them in different leagues, put them in different sports mm-hmm. things, and make their life a little bit harder just so that they can learn how to deal with adversity. For and, sure, and no matter how much I could be worth. $8 billion. Dad, can I get a new car? You're going to go work for it. You know yeah, what I'm saying? I'm with You're gonna that. Go get a job. Dad, I'm I don't need that. to work. You can buy a car. I don't care. For sure. Go get a job. <laughs> I'll buy you the car. You'll put gas in it, though. You're going to pay your own insurance. I'm going to find a way to build in some adversity so that they can learn to appreciate things. No,
0: absolutely. Period. I feel you. I think that leads me to my moment of truth where, as a parent, I understand now that there is value in saying no to yes. your children sometimes yes. because they just need that sometimes yes. as much as I want to be mother hen and shelter them from everything and protect them from everything I know that I can't it's just not realistic and um in that I know that I have to be able to say no sometimes and just be confident in that and know that my children being armed with everything we teach them will be able to make the right decisions yes I hope and I pray
1: Kadeen was just stuttering a little bit now cause I'm rubbing her thigh <laughs> y'all yeah, can't see it but I am the thigh was looking good I just rubbed it I, I was like,
0: trying to distract I saw myself you by putting flustered. on my lip gloss. I
1: saw you get flustered I did get a little flustered it's <laughs> alright <So>, though <laughs> yo be sure to follow us on social media that's I am DeVal
0: and to Kadeen I am
1: and if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate review and subscribe
0: da. Deadass is a production of Stitcher.
1: We are produced by Jackie Sojico and Denora Pena.
0: Our executive producer, T-Square.
1: Our associate producers are Tribble and Kristen Torres.
0: Our chief content officer is Chris Bannon.
1: Our studio engineer and original music is by Brendan Burns.
0: And last but not least, we are mixed by Andy Christens. We're back. I'm Drew McGarry. And I'm David Roth. We have a podcast going on right now as part of the Stitcher Network called The Distraction. That's available everywhere you get your podcasts at uh, Stitcher,
1: Spotify, Apple. Go listen right now to The Distraction. Right now, it's out. Do it, please.